0: Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it, and enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly.
1: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
0: What's up, y'all? We're excited to be back for Season 3 of Point Forward, the podcast. We have NBA tip-off around the corner, some news to share with the Point Forward family, and lastly, we'll touch on things happening outside the world of basketball. Let's get into it. We bike. <laughs> first things first, the Point 0.4 family has just added a new unemployed member to the squad. Him being me, uh, <laughs> I'm know i I'm, I'm no longer employed. Um, so I told y'all I ain't got no job, which means I'm retiring from basketball. I had a lot of fun, um, met some cool, interesting cats. Um, a lot to look forward to going ahead in life, but that is it for me. I uh, will be hanging out with Lou Williams as a retired basketball player.
2: Uh, Evan, did you have you officially retired? Yeah, I thought I did, but they were talking about signing a paper, and I'm like, that, nigga, I just told y'all I'm not coming back <laughs> to work. So you worked over. That's enough. It's <laughs> like, bro, is there some money with signing this? If not, no, fam. Like y'all ain't gonna hear from me. We Gucci. But if you technically don't retire, you can always be putting a trade. Man, I'm not on no raw. Ain't nobody trade. You need to get fired if you trade for me, bro. No, a trade like sign you, then trade
0: you, and you could take the cash because it's like salary cap money, and you never show
2: up. Brad Stevens, throw me a lot, baby. <laughs> <laughs> sign me, throw me a lot, man, and I'll retire. Uh, I retire a sixer. How about that?
3: Hmm.
2: Sign trade, not show up. Retire, a Sixer. No, somebody
0: that really can happen. Somebody was like, "Don't retire. The Warriors can throw you in a trade at the end. They could send me back to the Sixers, and then I can get like a, I can get signed for like a on like a five, six
2: million dollar salary dump. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it really can happen. Don't let me be know GM because I'm doing that for all the homies. <laughs> <laughs> so. I- we dove into it personally, but how does it feel since the summer and everything like that? Knowing you're gonna be a you're a free man now, but you know, diving into this new space which is media and the Andre Igodala Enterprise.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just as busy as ever, so I really haven't felt the effects yet. Um, it it's kind of different. I, I'm trying to figure out how to verbalize this, but. I could use basketball as a way to push away a lot of the things that are on my plate in the past. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say push away, but my time was just heavily requested on the other side of basketball, which is where I'm I'm diving deep into now. And so um it was probably once I was just overwhelmed one day with just so much going on. And that was probably the one of the few times I was like, all right, I'd rather go to practice. Like, admin work isn't for basketball players. Like, you know, setting up that <laughs> iPhone and putting, like, nine different emails on a calendar, uh, you know, documents. Um, Following
2: up yeah. isn't for basketball players. Whew. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> part. Because like, it's like, I, I said it, you know, back then it's like, I said it once, to get it. But now it's like double checking, triple checking, and kind of, you know... Uh, Get it, the real world. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: You, you, we, we got spoiled. We were very spoiled. And uh, that is, that's probably the biggest adjustments. Pretty funny, actually. You know, that follow-up thing is, is like, I'll spend the whole day, like, all right, today is for emails. I'm talking, like, three, four hours of just doing this. But, it, 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 you know, you get some character in there. What they say, calluses create character. And so, um, that sounds so cliche. I hate saying cliche things, but... That's that's the only way you got to think about it to get over it. Most yeah, I, guys don't. But yeah.
2: I also hate when people try to cheer you up with some bullshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, chop wood, carry water. and say, like, "Nah, you right, but goddamn, fam, I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> Pause. Like, I'm know used know I'm to about. staying at the
0: Ritzes and the Four Seasons and the Wardorfs, and now I'm mm-hmm. looking at um, –
2: why it cost so much? Or like you wish you would have <laughs> took them points. You would have stopped in and got them points and not gave them to the GM or whoever else that you sell them, right?
0: Correct. And uh, I, I don't. The airports are really bad. I have to say that. Like we, yeah. we we got to get this thing right. Like it's something with this the airport thing. Like the whole experience is, uh, it's not fun
3: at all. Point forward.
0: Also, point forward, family. We have some new partners for season three. We're partnering with SB Nation and Vox Media. And the show is brought to you by the good folks at DraftKings. E.T., I have... I've been scared to the point of... um, No, I guess it was a healthy fear of the gambling thing. We've transitioned until we can embrace the sports betting. But we are... I would say I'm a... I don't even know the word. Like what's the lowest setting on NBA 2K? Novice, rookie,
2: beginner, <laughs> something like that. Rookie, <laughs> rookie. Yeah, rookie. That's it. Rookie.
0: Yeah, so I I'm learning this whole new world of uh gambling, gaming, betting, whatever they call it. It's like all these different words. Addiction. But I'm, I'm... yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we don't want to BS none of any of our listeners about what we know or our expertise in the betting space. So to help us better understand the world of sports betting, particularly as it applies to the NBA, at different points over the season, a point forward, we're gonna check in with actual and real experts. We're kicking things off with Jonathan Von Tobel. That's a hell of a name, I like it. Jonathan is a radio host and NBA sports betting expert for DraftKings Network. Jonathan, I like to call you Jay Nathan. Uh, E.T. likes to call you. Lucky white guy. I'm just
3: joking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that helps in gambling. Hey, there's, there's,
3: uh, there's quite a bit of lucky white guys out there, so I'll take it. <laughs> no lie. So, so
2: help us
0: understand the landscape. You know, um, I hear this word parlay so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm noticing how my son watches the NFL Network for fantasy, and a team could be winning. And he's still upset that a guy didn't run in for a touchdown as opposed to kneeling. And so I got really confused. Um, I've been told on the street from time to time, either I helped win in a fantasy or I helped lose in a fantasy. And so would love for you to share with us your 60 second breakdown of sports gaming, betting. Yeah.
3: Hey, I, you know, I, I think sports betting is different for everybody else. For me, it is something where it is entertainment. There are a very few select people who bet on it professionally, who, who make it their primary source of income. But uh, I view it just like fantasy, which it should be fun. It shouldn't be something that detracts from the game. It shouldn't make you uh, take things on a personal level. If I ever walked by you guys, I would never say anything if you didn't get a final rebound right on a, a three-team parlay. But that's how I view it. You know, it is a fun ancillary thing that I think actually accentua- accentuates the game a little bit more. So when it's coming into this season now, who would you, who would you most likely bet on?
2: In regards to when you're you're sitting here saying, let's say to win the mid-season tournament or to even, you know, let's just say the championship, who would, what are the odds? Who would you for sure bet on besides the guaranteed champions?
3: How how would you go about that? So when it comes to betting those sort of things, I, I think it's really important to establish like what you're doing in terms of the bet, because it's really easy to look around and go, of course, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in the East or the Boston Celtics. So I'm going to bet on them, to do that. The the problem when it comes to betting, when you see those numbers, when you see plus 500 to win the NBA finals, that's a number that essentially the book is saying, we think this team has this amount of chance to win. So you as a better, when you're betting are saying, I think they have more of a chance to win than what that number would indicate. The problem is when you look at the teams at the top, those are really, really baked into a lot of those numbers because they're going to get a lot of money. So for me as a better when you're talking about betting teams to win an NBA finals or betting teams to win the in-season tournament, this NBA cup, I'm looking for teams that I think the numbers have not caught up to yet. So for example, one of the bets that I've actually made, I did bet Cleveland to win the NBA finals. I don't think that the betters, of the odds makers have factored in enough. The additions of Max Strus and George Niang, the fact that they want to run a little bit more, that they want to shoot more threes. I don't think that's been factored in enough to what the ultimate number is for them. So are they going to be underdogs to Milwaukee and Boston? Absolutely. Are they worse than Milwaukee and Boston? Yes. But when I'm betting those things, I'm saying they have a better chance to win that number is. So I think a team like Cleveland offers some value. I think the market hasn't really caught up to, I think the Suns are going to be very, very good. I think that they are built to dominate the regular season. They have three of the best offensive players. They did a brilliant job. And adding a lot of pieces on the fringes to fill out a roster that looked like it was going to be tough to fill out because of the salary situation. And I think those are two teams that are, that are worth betting at at the current prices because I don't think that those prices represent the actual probability of them winning an NBA final. So that's how I approach it. And I think when it comes to something like the NBA in-season tournament, that's really interesting because I don't think the best teams are going to be the ones that are going to win that. I think you want to look for teams that are young, teams that don't have max contracts, guys that have are looking still for their big payday, because that's a good chunk of change for every single one of those guys to win. The motivation, I think, is going to be there a little bit more for teams like Indiana, the team at the top of my list, Orlando, that's got a good young core that I think is going to be a really big pain in the butt for anyone that they're going to run into. So I think you're looking at those two things differently, but at the very basis for me, I'm looking at those numbers and saying, I think Team X has a better chance of winning than that number says, and that's why I'm betting them to win. Hold true. on. All right, keep going.
0: Cleveland ain't never going to win Nathan, John. So, you saying – I like that, John.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> John. So, I just wanted to make sure I heard what you said. You said Cleveland would be a team that you are looking at. Is that for the end season or for like the championship?
3: For the championship, I've actually I've already bet them to win the championship. Yeah, I bet them to win the NBA finals. Damn, uh, <laughs> hey, you a
2: thorough dude, John. That's why, <laughs> that's gonna ruin your month, depending <laughs> on the money. But if uh, you' are talking about ruin your day, I have a real question. As well. <laughs> I want a real question too. Um, you think about the Bucks trade with the before the Bucks did the trade? Me and Dre, Dre always talk about. It. I have a great relationship with Damian Lillard, and also a great. We both have a great. Re- relationship with drew hot after they did the point guard swap what were the odds prior to the bucks winning the championship and afterwards can you talk to us
3: about that do you know that off the top of your head yeah absolutely so you know i'll take you back a little bit further so initially before everything started happening denver was the favorite to win the nba finals um they rightfully should be they obviously they won it they're the reigning champions and nothing really had moved after that, when you go and you get Damian Lillard from Milwaukee, Milwaukee vaulted up to the top. They became the favorites to win the NBA championship. Denver slid behind them. Boston hadn't acquired anybody. And the interesting part about this, actually, one of the biggest odds changes, the market had accounted for Miami actually going to get Damian Lillard. So Miami was at about nine to one. They fell all the way down to 28 to one. So there's all those little changes in the market that happen because the market does try to account for what is going to happen. And ultimately, they got to adjust after that. So once that happens, then Boston, a couple of days later, goes and gets through holiday. They become co-favorites with the Milwaukee Bucks. So essentially, a really basic timeline is Denver was favored. Then it was Milwaukee. And then now you have both Boston and Milwaukee as co-favorites to win the NBA finals now that that point guard swap has happened. How would you bet if I wanted to bet the rookie of the year? What yeah. would go for that favor those type of odds? What do you think? So we actually we've seen this. This has been pretty fascinating to watch throughout the preseason. So at one point, you know, you hear the term a lot odds on favorite. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're at the top of the list. Odds on means that you are the, the true favorite, right? The, the minus price next to your name. And that was Victor Wembanyama for a while. He, he was actually about minus 180 or so. That would mean you bet $180 to win just $100 on him to win that award. But since we've watched the preseason and we've got to see Chet Holmgren and some of these others, Victor Wembanyama has actually fallen back to the pack. So now he's about a plus 110. He's still a favorite. But Holmgren's been the guy that has made a lot of noise. And I think if you're kind of looking around at the rookie of the year market there's a guy like Holmgren that it's very popular because he is going to be on a team that the market really likes, the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's going to help them, right? They desperately needed a center, defensive backstopper. He should be able to help them in that regard. Where do you uh, favor the, the Golden State Warriors to, to finish, and do they really have a real chance? Oh, I, I think they absolutely do. Right now, when you look at the betting odds, uh, they are about the third, fourth choice to win the Western Conference. You've got Denver, you've got Phoenix, and then depending on where you look, DraftKings has them right in range uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers to win the Western Conference, which makes a little bit of sense because you have to respect what Denver's done. I think they have the best starting five in the NBA. We know how good Phoenix is. So they're going to be there. And I think a lot of people know that much like how the Warriors kind of tried to handle the regular season, it seemed like last year, where it's like, hey, once we get in, we've done this before, we're going to be fine. I think that's how people approach the Golden State Warriors from a betting standpoint too. They just kind of wait until the postseason starts And then that money starts to come in because they know that Golden State is going to be a team that's going to be able to turn it on because they have the history of doing it. Last question on the MVP race and the bets there.
0: How are you looking at it differently with the new rules of load management and how many games a player has to play or how that takes into consideration on the MVP votes?
3: Yeah, I I, so when I talk to people, and for me personally, there's not a lot of people that are changing a lot when it comes to at least MVP betting with the new awards because we know that those guys have to play a certain amount of games. So, and there's generally like the same kind of usual suspects that are usually available and ready to go for their teams. You know, one of the one of the guys that I bet that's been very popular too, Devin Booker, for example. You know, Booker missed quite a bit of time last year, but generally he's had a sturdier health history throughout his career than Kevin Durant since his Achilles injury, than Bradley Beal over the last two years or so. And so a guy like Booker has been really popular because looks like he's going to handle the ball a little bit more. You should expect him to be a little bit more available, and he's going to be on a team that people expect to succeed when it comes to the regular season. So I haven't seen Andre that it like changes much in terms of how you view MVP, what it does change is how people view win totals. You know, you take a team like the Los Angeles Clippers for example. This is the lowest win total that the Clippers have had in the Kawhi Leonard Paul George era, save for the year that he tore his ACL and he wasn't available. So the win total is telling you this is the same win total for a Kawhi Leonardless team except they have Kawhi Leonard by all accounts. So if we get more games from Kawhi because of the new rules, on top of a very low win total that the market seems to be sleeping on, like that's, I think, where you're trying to factor in the rest rules and the changes in that regard, win totals as opposed to awards.
0: And that's my dark horse to win a championship.
2: The Clippers, right? Yes. And to be honest with you, I was just about to say, that's my dark horse is Kawhi to win MVP. Because if it's coming down to simply winning and he's playing, we always talked about this. Kawhi can guard anybody and score, you know, out 30, some of the top players on earth. And then when you sit in there, you start talking, like, what do you, he's won like 73% of his games. Since he's been in a league or something like that. I appreciate well, John, you, John.
0: Yes, sir. We appreciate you. We look forward to chatting with you in the near future on addictions. This preview was brought to you by DraftKings. The NBA season starts Tuesday, but the NFL season is going strong. And DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offering that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code POINTFORWARD. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code point forward only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER
3: or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Point forward.
2: Now here's the real reason all y'all are here. Andre and I sat down not only to talk about his Hall of Fame career because <laughs> you know damn well he's about to get an orange jacket in a couple years, but we also talked about his wildest dunks, the trash talk, and the ever-changing basketball landscape that has come with his career. Not a single story went untouched. We know you'll enjoy this one. All right, so last year and a year prior to you ponder retirement. What made you finally go through with it? Um, Man, that stuff hurts. Mm-hmm. No, I think people don't realize,
0: like, what your body goes through. Even the people closest to you. Like, you know, people see you every single day. People that are with you. I don't think they – they don't even realize what our bodies are going through. Like, we be in pain, and they just looking at us like, oh, he always hurt, or you always sore, or something always. And it's like, no, like, I need a new hip. I need two new knees. I need a new wrist now. But more than anything, it's just – um, I just thought it was time, you know – Couple factors, you know, uh, my son is like officially taller than me now, getting serious, you know, wanna lock in there. I remember having a great conversation with Dale, Dale Curry, he kinda messed me up. Cause at one side he was like, play one more year than you can. And so I was like, what? He was like, play one more year than you can. So like, you can play, you can, like you know you are gonna be good this year. Play an extra year on top of that and uh but on the other side he was like man I had to go home like I had two boys in high school like giving their mama fits like I had to go home and kick him in the butt so that was a factor of two um and then I think the biggest thing was just the momentum that, I'm, that I that I have on the business side yeah. you know finally start my own fund um, got a few business ventures on the team ownership side um uh, soccer golf yeah. Uh, some other things that are in the play, and it was a lot of juggling. And uh it's funny, because it was like, I felt like basketball was in the way, which sounds insane. And I think that was like confirmation that, you know, I'm actually executing and doing it right on that side.
2: Yo, so who was the pr- first person that you told about this retirement? It's you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah. And when when it came down to it, when it in regards to retirement and everything, what was how would you feel when you you for sure just said it out loud?
0: Well, I think, you know, I'm, you know, I think I've exhausted. I haven't exhausted because that's the hardest part, you know. I'm pretty sure you're going you're gonna to ask me that. You know, what am I going to miss? And, you know, you have your moments. Like, I have my moments where, I, you know, I get into a rhythm. I'm like, oh, I, I know for sure I can still play. Mm-hmm. And so – Uh, I've been watching a lot of my old videos a lot lately, which Mm -hmm. has been weird. It feels weird, but at the same time, it's like you goosebumps. It's like I'm getting ready for the season again. And so that's happened a few times. But I think it's more just like clarity. Mm -hmm. Cause there's a lot of unknowns and I think that's the hardest part. Like we're so used to like knowing what our days are gonna look like. And I think for me, the hard part is like, what are the days gonna look like? Like I'm slammed and. Busy as ever, but at the same time it's like, but I still don't have that same like routine. Like it was constant, like that's who you became. It's like breathing. And so for that to leave, it feels like, you know, something's missing. And so it's like, you kind of inch toward it all the time. Like I walk through the house and do this sometimes. And it's like, is, is that gonna still feel weird? And so, you know. You have all types of thoughts, but in the grand scheme, it's like I'm pretty
2: confident and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to be good going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, last year you said that you're only coming back one more year because Steph asked you to. Was that another part that you thought about, like, with Steph? or you like, oh, shit, like? Uh, it's funny. Do you think – I know I'm the first person you told, and I'm not too sure if you told him yet, but did he try to speak and get you back? Or? Uh, no, he didn't. But
0: it's funny because somebody on a team who folks would least suspect, he asked me to. He was like, "Yo, you gotta, you gotta run it back." Well, no, a couple guys said it. Like my young boys, like JK's my man. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Barnes still doesn't believe me because I tell Harrison all the time, like, "I'm man, I'm done." And I think you don't want to. I don't want to have certain feelings while I'm playing. And I started having those feelings. Yeah. Those feelings start creeping in the last year or two. Like certain things, I was like, yo, I'm just not feeling this part of it. And before, I love the game so much and I'm young enough to just get over it. Now I'm in a place where it's like, nah, I really can't get over that. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's, no, it's black and white, there's no gray area. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of like, the other side, I was like, nah, I, I, this is really affecting me in my emotions like I can't I can't I just can't do it and mm-hmm. so um I had a few teammates be like no you got to come back but one guy in particular was like serious like no you got to come back and it's funny because I had like t- three teams call me one of them actually was serious I thought about it I knew I knew I wasn't but I actually like huh that actually would work and we'd be really
2: good like I actually did think about that. Mm. So now that you're going to be walking away from the game what do you think you'll miss the most? Um the
0: plane rides are pretty smooth. I think the plane rides. You gonna miss the plane rides? Amongst? Yeah, man. Cause when you in the air and it's different than uh, cause you get to ride private for free, <laughs> and I'm not paying for private flights. <laughs> like I, ain't, I, I just so, I don't, it don't I don't care how much money I got. I ain't got it. So you're not gonna miss the free gear, the free shoes, the free. No, nah, I'm missing. Cause the flights are the only time where I feel like I got peace. Yeah. You can't really you got Wi-Fi up there but you can't call me. Yeah. Like I can't be disturbed. Like I get really good naps on the plane. Like I'm I I lead the earth wow. literally. Like I like the plane rides. Like wow. I, and I don't play cards. I can get my reading done. I got a lot of work done yeah. on the airplane cuz just I just like everything like I like rookie's always try to sit next to me. I'm like no, I move. So I have my two big chairs and I'm just like I was really it was like it was like golf. It was like a golf state. Peaceful.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the planes. Uh, then what do you think you' are gonna miss least about the game? man? people ask you for advice.
0: What am I gonna miss the least? Ooh, I'm trying to be a good Samaritan and try to be a good ambassador to games, but I'm I'm not gonna miss the refs. A few of them, a few of them had me like, yeah, ref made me so mad last year. I'm like, yeah, I need to retire because I, I I I don't need to
2: be where I'm at right now. <laughs> I'm just being for real. <laughs> so and then w- so that's that's the most the reps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So now that you're moved, because I'm, you know why? Yeah. And it's not like
0: and I hope they don't try to clip this to where I say they're cheating cuz I'm not saying that. I'm saying they are too involved in the yeah, game yeah. and it's not I'm not saying it's them. I'm saying the objective of officiating is to Uh, keep the game within the rules and held accountable to be as unseen as possible. So I don't need to know your name, I don't need to know your number, I don't need to know your routine, I don't need to know what movies you like. I saw uh, uh, JaVale had it on his, uh, JaVale was showing me. They had it on certain arenas they had the uh, bios of the referees, like what school they went to, their favorite meal, their favorite movie. Like, I'm like, what? I'm like, I've never seen this. They were like, yeah, be in arenas, like get to know the refs. No, man, like, no, like move around. Like, let us be us. Like, that's what people come to see. And so, like, I want the game to be pure. So I'm a purist of the game. So that's all I'm saying.
2: What's retirement gonna look like most for you? Like, give us like, what's your next five years gonna be like? that you're screaming that you're so ready to rush out there's other business opportunities and stuff where can we see you next are we going to see you courtside R.I.P. Mamba like Mamba or are we going to be like Uh, you know what I mean are you going to be in the background like how long will it take for you to pop back in and let people see you? Iguodala that's interesting good question because I told
0: uh, Loon that I'll never touch a basketball again and I probably won't come to a game for like a couple years but uh I do have a couple games on my calendar that I'll be at this year. We'll be at the game two eight, um, February eighth in L.A. And then uh, there's a couple special dates on my calendar that I got marked that I'll, I'll be at a couple games. Like I'm I'm gonna go see I'm gonna go I'm gonna go like go travel to see like maybe like a couple like three or four games. That's it. But I'll be there. Um but with some of the business that I have, I have to be at some sporting events. So, like, I'll be at a bunch of football games, which is interesting. I'll be at a bunch of football games. Um, finally get the chance to go to Augusta in April. I'm looking forward to that. I'll be at Augusta, Georgia in April. Uh, that's going to be fun.
2: You're saying going to games and everything. One thing I've learned or enjoyed since retiring was becoming a fan, mm-hmm. like a real wholehearted fan. I know even on this pod, you kept your competitive nature up. You gave out flowers a lot, but who's some some players right now that you can't wait to go? You know, fanboy over. Yeah. Whether it be in this sport, basketball, any yeah. sport, you're gonna follow Rory yeah. all around Europe. Yeah. Like, what are
0: you gonna do? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. like, uh, I actually got a chance to tell him, like LeBron. It was really hard to really uh, like give him flowers. Like, you don't want to like show too much respect because you got to compete against him. And so, you know, he's a little bit older now, but he's still dominating the game uh it's funny i watched steph on tv in miami and uh i was kind of like i was jumping a few i was like oh i was doing that watching him uh that it was they were playing dallas that was a crazy game uh so looking forward to obviously seeing him uh anthony edwards um big fan of his um i'm really looking forward to uh watching his development Uh, I'm a huge fan of Brandon Ingram and I've seen him in the playoffs and he stepped up and you obviously know like your first playoff series is different. like Most guys struggle and he's like rose to the occasion. So looking forward to seeing him continue to develop. Uh, I'm looking forward to JT Tatum. I want to see how he adjusts to being dominant late in games because the game can be so easy for him and we've had conversations so I'm really looking forward to Seeing him, and then like you know, Katie's in year seventeen, still doing what he can do. uh book, is, book keeps getting better, which yeah. is crazy. Like book keeps getting yeah. better. Uh, book keeps getting better. Um, like my peers that are still doing this CP, like yeah. it's good to see. Like CP is still CP out there. Like yeah. it's amazing what it's he's amazing. doing. But yeah, I'm. I, I'm. And then like using the pod to be a fan of the game too. I'm looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, well, you brought up CP, and uh, clearly he just. You know, I got traitors to the Warriors and everything. Have you all spoken about, like, what it's like? Have you been like, yo, here goes your spot. Make sure you look out for my young guys for me. You're the new adult in the locker room. Or you or just legit just going to show up and be like, yo, do your thing and lead them, point out? Yeah, we've
0: been talking a little bit. Um, when it first happened, we spoke a couple times. And then uh, he's been doing a great job of uh, looking after J.K. Yeah. And so I text him uh, about that, like, you know, really appreciative of that. Um, I think he's going to be a really good addition to the team. I think he's got a lot left in the tank, so uh, I'm I'm really interested to see the type of year that they can have. Like, you know, you know how that team is. Like, it can go. They can win a championship, or you know, they can. You know, you know, we never know. Like, we were that close to being a playing team. You know, so it's going to be interesting there. But uh, definitely rooting for them, uh, obviously, because a bunch of my guys over there.
2: Well, now we got that out the way. We want to go down memory lane. Since mm-hmm. you have that announcement, you played in the NBA for almost two decades. And a lot of uh, it's a lot of firsts that occurred, but a lot of dope shit that occurred as well. So mm-hmm. we're gonna go, uh, you know, more more so, culture into a couple of uh, key points. Let's talk about, uh, you know, your draft night memory. What do you remember most from getting drafted back uh, at the ninth pick? Besides the Dick Vitale thing. You know what's funny about draft night? I was
0: not happy. Why not? I I don't think I've ever told that. So I was projected, I had a really good workouts, so I was projected to go three to the Bulls, um, or it might have been six or seven, something like that. Six, it might have been six to Atlanta. And so Ben Ben Gordon had a crazy workout where he didn't miss a shot in the whole workout. So he went third. Uh, it was funny because I think it was Washington had like the fifth pick or something like that I think Washington had the fifth pick and they traded it cause they were, they said, if you would be here, we would keep it, but you ain't gonna be here. So we trading it. And so then Josh Childress went sixth, I'm like, huh? Then Luau went to Phoenix at seven, which got traded to Chicago. So, but the, luckily I did, a, um, I had a safety net workout with Philly before I went to New York to the draft. And it was like, you know, you about one of your drafts, you was like, bro, I took like four shots. Yeah, yeah, that type thing. It was yeah. one of them type of workouts where I, I had a real workout, but I used it because I wanted to work out I was like Yo, yeah. I, I want to work out anyway Let me just yeah. get a workout in and it was like alright. This could be your workout You just working out and so that's my safety and then uh, Toronto came at 8 and the cameras came around I'm like man, I didn't work out for Toronto, but they picked the other dude, right? <laughs> but like I felt like I felt like like I slipped in the draft. I'm like I was low-key I was kind of tight like I was hot about yeah. that um, but I'll never forget uh, one of my memorable moments was uh, Josh Childress being like, "Yo, we in the NBA now," but it still was bothering me, so I didn't really respond. I'm just like, "Yeah," but then later that night, I'm like, "Yo, we really in the league right now." So like, he kind of got me out of it. Uh, but the draft night, draft night was, it was, draft night was cool. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I'm not a big like celebrator, so we went out, but like, I didn't know how to go to the club and kick it anyway. So it was just, it was a regular night. What spots you go to? Forty, forty. Nah, I don't know where we went. Ben Gordon had a party somewhere. It was dope. But Ben, ben Gordon's from New York. Ben Gordon, I, he, he had his Range was number Rover. three, right? He was draft number three. He had his Range Rover already. He had, he had a blue Range. It was cold. And I wanted one, but I ain't had no money. So yeah. I ain't. I, I didn't buy nothing before the draft. Yeah.
2: And so... Uh, I remember you saying you thought you were going to Chicago until Ben went to, went to Chicago and didn't miss for that whole workout, right? Didn't
0: miss the whole workout. Yeah, he didn't miss a shot. Like, it was sent wires through, like, everybody. I was in Charlotte working out for the uh bobcats at the mm. time and this is before they traded up to the two pick. <laughs> and so I'm in the middle of the workout or we got done with the workout. Yeah. We like having lunch and it's like six of us. It was like, yo, everybody phone buzzing. And this is before social media. So mm. like like it, it hit everybody phone, like text like, yo, Ben Gordon didn't miss a shot mm. For a whole workout. And it was just like, man. And I remember telling Ben like, yo, my, my funny thing my agent knew like the draft order. Yeah. He was like, yo, Ben Gordon going three. And I told him. He was like, "Really?" And um, we knew Sean was going four. We knew Devin was going five. And so like uh, six, seven, eight, nine was like a toss up.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you said you didn't spend much before the draft or whatever. But like, you talk about your suit. What'd you wear? What do you remember? Uh, so LAV.
0: I wonder if they LAV still should be around. It's probably called something something else. But LAV had the league on lock. Like they were making the Walkers. Uh, they made your suits.
2: Oh wait, shit! They made mine too. That's a lot for a nineteen, like a twenty-one-year-old kid. Right, but it was from from my experience. It was very respectable. Yeah, for like, sure. and from what I
0: heard, like I didn't hear too many crazy stories like such and such going on. So like, it was a very respectable company. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so, uh, Killer Cam, I was a fan of around a time. So in college, I would wear pink from time to time. <laughs> I would have like, I would have like pink on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, cause Cam, that's yeah. when he, you know, yeah, he had man. the pink yeah. Range Rover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wanted a blue suit with pink pinstripes, but it didn't come out right. So they just made me a blue pinstripe suit, like a power broker suit. And then I had like a pink uh, striped shirt with uh, like a blue, sh- blue bluish pink lined up tie. It was a nice look though. It was cool. I still got the suit to this day. Like I kept it. It was long in the mug. It was like five buttons. Yeah, you could probably still wear, it, can't you? Yeah. It'd be too long if I wore it. Yeah. It was crazy long, but that was it back then. But it wasn't crazy baggy though, because everybody's suits were baggy yeah, back then. Because the M Jet. It was baggy, <laughs> but it wasn't their baggy. Yeah. And so it's uh it's somewhere in the house.
2: Well, looking back on the draft, you are a draft with a lot of great players that you just mentioned. Who's somebody that you would love to give a salute to from your draft class, where you saw their career and you're like, yo, this was. We started at the same time. You mentioned Josh Childress, like holy shit, we're in the NBA, but mm-hmm. like. That longevity, that journey as to be a future Hall of Famer who somebody where you like, yo, you you did your thing too? Uh
0: Dwight doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. Like Dwight, like he had the league in a strong hold for a while. Like Dwight was incredible, man. It's kinda it's upsetting how uh, guys put a lot of work in, do a lot of things for the league and the perception that comes yeah. from however they try to put him in a certain lane. But if I'm picking a guy, I'm picking Lu Al Dang. And uh, I was able to reach out to him recently and be like, yo, bro, we gotta connect. Like I got, Whenever you're in Africa, I wanna be there yeah. with you. Because we were always competing against each other. And it's like, we never really spoke. Like, even in the games, we didn't talk trash. Like, he had some really good games against me and I had some really good games against him. And I knew he was playing a little extra hard versus me. And I think he knew that I was playing a little yeah. extra harder versus him. So I think it was a respecting, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the second best player in the draft, you know, obviously Dwight. And so we had some really good battles, um, but he handled his business as a professional better than anybody. You know, uh, he was a true uh, steward of the game. Um, he held the league down wherever he went. He had a great reputation. Um, the Lakers tried to Doing crazy at the yeah, end. Yeah, that was crazy. But he got his money, though. Yeah, he got $70 million. He got yeah, his yeah, money, yeah, though. Yeah, but uh, all, man, 71. Big respect for Lou Dang, man. Big yeah. respect.
2: But after a draft night, you always talk about when people are like, things change tremendously as soon as the draft is over. Um, what's one of the first things you remember when you first walked into the league, how things changed from like a personal standpoint to a relationship standpoint to just comprehending I'm no longer in Kansas, a.k.a. Arizona anymore? Um, relationships change. People.
0: People try to place themselves in a certain position in your life and like have a stronghold. Yeah. And uh, it's like really, ter- it's very territorial, and you see it all around the. Yeah. League. You, like you see it with your friends, family. Like you see it all. Yeah, the so time. It's a vicious cycle. Like yeah.
2: Entourage. Yeah. Anybody.
0: Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, you see that. You know, who met who first? Yeah. Who been around the longest? You hear that a lot. Um. But one thing uh, I think I had in my favor was after I got drafted, I went home, we had a barbecue, it was cool, it was like, you know, I finally got my car, I was, you know, I was feeling myself, but it wouldn't have been like four days went by, and Tim Grover called me like, where you at? Get your ass back up here in the gym. And so I went right back to Chicago and just got right back to work. And so uh, I think I'll just, you know, I was very blessed and very fortunate to be, I was always around people who had my best interests. Like, they may not have been the closest to me or around me the most, yeah. but for some reason, I always had an open ear to those folks. Uh-huh. Like, I made sure, like, if certain people said things, it was like, okay, whatever he's saying, like, I'm gravitating towards uh-huh.
2: that. You mentioned Tim Grover. What did you learn from him that you, you know, or how did you get connected with him in order to get prepared for the draft? and? was the relationship with MJ like a huge thing as well where you like, I'm going to the NBA, I need to get Mike trainer.
0: Yeah, so that was when I interviewed agents to go to the draft, I had already heard his name. Uh, Will Bynum went to Arizona. Yeah, I was with him for a semester at Arizona my freshman year before he transferred to Georgia Tech. And so Will would, Will Bynum would always talk about Tim Grover and he was like, man, I worked out with Tim Grover one time and then played in the Pro-Am after that and had 40. <laughs>
2: And so it was like yeah, this, one of them young kids. yeah. it was like them name, yeah. fables
0: or tales. Yeah, it was true though, like, yeah. and it was like, yo, I was like, I'm working out with Tim Grover. Like, it's just what you do to go to the league. Yeah. You know, that's that was what it was. And so when I interviewed agents, the first thing I said was, you know, I want to get to work. I want to work out with Tim Grover and you, you know, who paying for it? Cause I heard it was expensive. Uh-huh. And so all the agents agreed and then one agent had me working out no two agents had me work out with grover when i interviewed them so i had two agents in chicago huh. that i interviewed r.i.p uh hank thomas wow. so uh i said well part of the interview is i want you to give me workout with tim grover and uh i spoke about this before but my first workout with tim grover um like it wasn't even done with the first drill like four minutes in i thought about going back to college i was like oh, no, no, this I ain't, I ain't got it, I ain't got it. It was that hard. But, but then after you get through it, it was like, that was more so like the moment where like the perception changed for me, like everything changed. Because once I got done with that workout, I was like, okay, if I go to the league, this is gonna be like every day. Yeah. So like, ain't no more playing around, ain't no more like, there ain't no more fun, like just kicking it, like hanging out like, oh no, we in the gym like all mm-hmm. day, like we getting ready. And so that's when it kind of, like, clicked
2: for me. Mm -hmm. So talk about some of your first when you first arrived, uh, you know, in practice. You first see Allen Iverson, Mm -hmm. and then you fast-forward to your first game of your NBA career.
0: Yeah, so I went into practice with, like, no expectations, really. I think uh, my agent did a good job. Rob Polinka did a good job of saying, like, okay, I think you got an opportunity to get some minutes. But, you know, you're a rookie. You know, you may not play as much as you want. But every day just try to get better and just play hard. And my first impression of practice was like a defensive drill, and that's when I had the respect for Coach Olson, because mm-hmm. everything was just clicking. Like shell drill, ball handling things, like certain things, three man weaves, passes on point. Like everything yeah, yeah, was everything. It was just it was like normal to me, yeah. but I'm seeing like eight, seven, eight year vets.
2: They can't figure out shell drill or they messing up rotations.
0: I was looking like, what are y'all doing like on, I,
2: their, on their weight routine is they left like fifteen year olds. you're like, bro y'all like who been training like who been training all this this whole time right yeah. or they just this is their first time hooping all summer or yeah. all
0: year yeah, yeah. It's from from last year yeah. and so when I saw that, I was like, huh, and then I had some success like first couple practices, and Alan Iverson was just like a larger than life figure. And so you just basically like, he talk about Michael Jordan having that aura, like that glow, like he had the glow when I saw him, like he had the aura, it was like, oh, that's Alan Iverson, but he was super funny. And so he just brought a calmness to it. Like, I'm like, man, this dude is hilarious. And I remember the uh, three man weed, they threw me a lob and I windmilled it. And he was like, oh, this little motherfucker crazy, but let's see how long you gonna be doing that. And I'm like, what you mean? I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. He was like, nah, bro, like
2: year four, you gonna stop doing that? Yeah, you start hearing like old heads like, "Why aren't you icing?" You are like, I don't need no ice. It's like, no, you need ice, bro. Like, sure yeah. enough, sure enough. Like year three, four come around.
0: No, no, no. We laying everything up, unless we in the game. Like, yeah, like, so. But then going to the first game, I never forget the first game we played in Boston, and uh, it was against Paul Pierce, who was like I had been watching Paul a lot and uh, he was talking, he I always talked trash. you and then Antoine Walker, who I spent some time with in the summer because he
2: was in Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago. So he, he was, was a the, man in Chicago. People he don't was forget, man. He, you hang out with Jordan or Jordan lets you around him, like you were that dude. He had like, yeah. a D, he wasn't yeah. like D-Rose in terms of like- He there bro, he had everybody. He, he had, was like D-Rose D in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he you had know. every Well, within our community, the yeah. black
0: community, he was like a D-Rose yeah. figure. Yeah. And yeah. so going up against him, uh, and it, I think you just want to prove to people like what you can do, especially, you know, East Coast bias in college basketball, coming from Arizona, so folks don't really know. Uh, but I remember making my first shot. I made some big plays defensively. Uh, I scored a few couple buckets. Like I had a really good game, and I remember like I, I, t- I spoke about this before. Nike rep came to me after the game and was like, "Hey man, you really good. <laughs> 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 you made a three, he he was was like, like, I man. Was I mean, you hit your first three, man. Oh man, you can hoop. You're gonna be around for a long time. So it was uh it was good to go through that in my first game. But like it was no jitters. None of that. I just felt like I was just prepared.
2: But you just mentioned Irison's star power and everything. What was something crazy that you saw from the time kicking on Iverson where you're like, yo, that's, that's a star and, you know, a franchise player? Like, was there anything that you took from where you're like, this is, this is going to be me?
0: Uh, well, one thing, he had happened to him a lot. I knew it never would happen to me. Like, people would just be waiting around at the hotel for him, like just for him. And like obviously I played with the Warriors and we had, we, no one could wait in the hotel because we had to clear it out because it got crazy. Yeah. But like people would be like lined up in the hotel. Like like he had like, a, he was like that dude. Yeah. And I think how humble he was around us was really cool. It was like he never like big-timed yeah. anybody. Like he was more of a kid than, you know, just like the rest of us. And so I think it put a lot of things in perspective. Now we all all have our days, but um, he was very consistent with me. I always say he always, he was the one that was always telling me, hey man, don't ever say nobody else good. Like I remember saying like Rip Hamilton is like really good. Like I was a big Rip Hamilton fan. He was like, man, you better than him. And so like he just like the confidence part he gave me. And I, I took that like every time I stepped on the court. Like I talk about it when in finals MVP, like in that whole series, I'm walking on the court like, man I'm about to get 30 tonight, I, re- I really can do what I want on the court. Like I can control the game. And I, I just kind of took that confidence from being around him so much.
2: So t- will you tell a story real quick about uh, when Allen Iverson introduced you to uh, Jay-Z? <laughs> when it's co- coming down to confidence and everything like that. Yeah,
0: so, he had a. He took me out to dinner one time, and I can tell it felt like he didn't do this often. Like I appreciated the gesture. He was like, "We was in. We were in, we were in New York. And New York has become my my favorite city. And um, so this is like my first time in New York as a like an adult with some money. Like hmm. I can pretty much do what I want. But I don't know New York. Like I know New York. And so
2: he's like, "Yo, uh, we going out tonight." I'm like.
0: You Taking me out with you tonight, like who else going? Like, it's gonna be a bunch of us. He's like, No, nah, just me and you. I'm that's like, the
2: worst. when you gotta go hang out with the fatness. and it's, like, it's just y- y'all used to do that to me all the time. I'm like, Bro, I not know y'all to be hanging out one on one. This could be off, and like, I never even thought about yeah, it. Yeah, like and I that. used to be like, Bro, I don't mean like you not gonna like me, like just, you not gonna like me at all. I can tell you that. No, but he like he took me out like one
0: on one, me and him. And I'm used to being around him with like a group of people. Oh, that's crazy, one-on-one. and he's more so. Like, he's like a character, but he's himself. Like he's not acting, but like the dude could draw, he could like rap, he could like country music sing. Like it was insane, like the talents he had, but it was always like he was putting on the show, but for him one-on-one, he was a little bit more shy, reserved. And so it was interesting to like interact with him like that. And uh, we went to P. Diddy's restaurant.
2: Justin's, right? Yes, P.
0: Diddy had a restaurant and so we went there but before we went there, I needed a coat. So he was like, let's go to Sean John. And we <laughs> man, went shopping. Yes. Sean John was, yes. was it at the time. Yes. So he took me to Sean John and uh, it was his white puff coat, puffer coat, it was cold. It had like the fur on the, the hood. He was a man. And, but it was it was like right here on my sleeves. And he was like, man, that coat too little, man, raise your arms. And he, he like cracking, like he just love cracking jokes on you no matter what. And so I raised my arm, he's like, that coat's too little, but you gonna get it anyway. And, but he was like, no, nah, it fit, it's cool, get it. So he made me believe it fit, so I got it. He, paid, he bought me some clothes, whatever, he looked out. So we had dinner, and then after that, we had a driver. And so he was like, yo, let's go to the 4040, see what's going on over there. So we pulled to the 4040, and he was like, it looked dead in there. But it was a Maybach outside, baby blue Maybach,
2: two-tone, navy blue and baby blue. That's, and, the uh, that's the one. That's the whip that camera. I want to move for him in front of Def Jam. There
0: you go. Yeah. So uh, we 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 pulled up and we didn't get out, but we stopped. He rolled down the window. I think security saw him, and then we sat there for like it wasn't that long, like three or four minutes. And he was like, "Man, I don't know, man. I don't want in there if it's dead. Like I don't, like I ain't going in there if it's dead just to come back out." <laughs> so we started the car about to pull off, and the dude was like, "Yo, somebody come out! Somebody comes out the door! Like, yo!" Jay in there, he wanna say what's up. And then he looked at me, he was like, you wanna go say what's up to Jay? And I'm, I'm like, cheesing, he was like, this little motherfucker, <laughs> young head, he used to call me young head, right? So I'm like, <laughs> I'm cheesing just girl. like all that. Right, right. <laughs> so we get out the car, we go up, and so they chilling in there, it's Jay, was Tata, might have been like one other dude, right? And they just chilling in the back. And uh, he everybody say, what's up? And he was like, yo, this is my young fella, right here. He a bad he a bad motherfucker, you gonna see him, he, he a bad boy, he, ba- he a bad one, he cold. And he was like, what's up? And I was like, yo, how you doing? I'm Andre Iguodala. And he looked at me and he just went back and he was like this, right? So I ain't think nothing of it. So I never forget the next day, we get on the bus for shoot around. As soon as I get on the bus, hey, this stupid young punk, we meet Jay-Z and he tell him his whole name. I'm Andre Igadala. He know who you is, fool. He watch TV and he just go off on me about, like, bro, don't you ever say your whole name to somebody like, you here now, people know who you are, and man, he would not stop messing with me and Then I wore that coat to the game the night before he cracked on me the whole night about my <laughs> coat being too small. I'm like, bro, you told me that it would fit like you I should get it. I ain't say that, and so like I learned a lesson like he would set you up to kill you, but it was like it was all in love though, so it was it was super funny, but like I was self conscious about wearing this coat, but the coat fit to me, so. I just wore it when I wasn't around him.
2: You ever notice, like you kind of, you you're not like always like your vet or whatever. But you ever notice you always turn into your vet because exactly what you how he could criti- like bothered you is exactly how you bothered me. Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like the hip- I'm like sitting here like, this sounds right. No wonder, bro. You'll buy me a suit and be like, you look like a goddamn idiot. <laughs> Stand the right way, bro. How's somebody gonna buy? I'm supposed to spend all this money on a suit and you standing like that. Where's your confidence, man? Mismatch right. Sox, What are you doing? Like you go absolutely crazy, and it's like it makes sense now. Trauma. So we fast forward to after your rookie year, to mm-hmm. you know after what was it like your third year, fourth year? You led the league in uh, minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you're up for a big time contract. Talk about your first time resigning.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was. And interesting. What you remember from that? So I remember from signing is that I didn't I didn't sign my uh, I didn't sign my extension. So my extension, they offered me sixty. I turned it down. And one thing I don't know, but this is something that AI taught me. He was like, man, my rookie year, my rookie year was fun. Like my rookie, my rookie year was the probably my favorite year because I just had fun. Like you just traveling playing basketball, no pressure. Like AI taking all the pressure and he taking it all off me. Like it was just easy. Like we just had fun. And then Chris Weber, who was like my idol, that's why I started playing basketball, watching MJ and the Fab Five. So like, I'm just in kittyland. you know what I mean? And so as you grow older, AI is like, listen, man, these, they' gonna change. Like, don't read the paper. I used to read the paper because mm-hmm. that was just my routine. Don't read the paper. They' gonna turn on you. You gotta be ready. Like, they' gonna turn on you at some point. I'm just like, huh? Like, it can't be that bad. I turn on that contract, and I went to a comedy show. And I see Spank. Spank is like improv and like he's just on the stage talking crazy. And Spank was like, who the Iguodala? That man turned down $60 million and just goes on like a 10 minute rent. And that, that became like normal. Just like, I'm like, man, I can't even go outside everywhere I went. Like, it was just brought up. Like, just going to get a cheesesteak. Yeah. Man, you turned down all that money. Is you crazy? Like, just, I'm like, did you uh, ever second guess was, it?
2: Like, after you turned it down? Like, no, no, I, never? That was the crazy. When I mean, they turned thing. down $60 million, like, 0, 06, 0, 07, then, bro, was it's aggressive. It was like that was like, now. yeah, like a bajillion. Now. Yeah. yeah, it's like 150 now.
0: But it's funny because that was the one of the like strong suits, the power of Rob Palenka. Like he really had me believing, like, Bro, they are lowballing you. Like, there's no way you could take so I see kids now and I'm like, What is your agent telling you what? Are you crazy? But I'm believing my agent the same way. But I do think Rob had a sense of who he was dealing with. Yeah. Like he know the work I was putting in, in every summer. Like yeah. I'm doing I'm doing two days in the summer. I'm oh. watching film. He know I'm I asked a million questions about Kobe every day. Mm-hmm. He know what I'm doing. So he's like, bro, like, no, bro. And he's like, I got you a deal over here for this anyway, so we cool. So I had a backup plan anyway. So I'm knowing that yeah, things uh, the team don't know yeah. too. And so uh but the hardest part about that is when you go into that season and you got eighty two games, you know how many games that is. But when you only in year, this was going in the year three. Yeah. No, this is going in year four. I didn't take this attention. Going in year four, 82 games don't feel like 82 games. So, like, every single game after the game, I'm looking at the stat sheet, like, damn, I ain't gonna get it. Next game, damn, yeah, I'm gonna get it. Next game, damn, I ain't gonna get it. Next game, oh, I'm gonna get it. Like, it was just like that roller coaster, like, for what? Yeah. You know, like, it's just such a big body of work. It's going to, law of averages is going to be where it's supposed to be anyway. Yeah. And so um we had a solid year, went to the playoffs, we not supposed to go to the playoffs.
2: And Price is statistically your best year in the league, right? It was. Yeah,
0: yeah it was. It yeah. was. It was. And uh the funny thing is though we played this play Boston in the playoffs. No, not Boston, played Detroit. Did Detroit. Yeah. Played Detroit, Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't score on them, Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I think I averaged like 3 less points than my average and uh you and you can't, you, Philly. Philly. you can't do that in Philly, so they was just like, man, he ain't even worth this, he ain't worth that. You had to go through that. Funny thing is, then they paid Elton after three towards Achilles, but then they had me on ice, and it was just like that. That's when that relationship started to be feel weird. Like, what are we doing here? And uh, we ended up getting a deal done, and uh, yeah, that was the first deal. Hennessy and Michelin Ness have come together for the ultimate drop. A limited edition collection to celebrate Hennessy's continued partnership with the NBA. Because some things just go together. Like Evan and myself.
2: Amen, hey man, man. Remember when we met back in the day at Tim Grover's attack facility? Mm-hmm. I think it was like 08. I was finishing up my freshman year and you were about to prepare to get that bag, right? Yes. My extension year. We met in 08. In 2010, we fast forward to be each other's teammates. Mm-hmm. I obviously thought I was better than you. Then the first day of practice, I go baseline. And you, you, Brian blocked my shot before That Brian. was a good block, G. <laughs> bro, I remember that, that. Bro, that was an amazing block. <laughs> I'm looking like, bro, what just happened back there? And then I'm like thinking something, like talking to my agent. Like, bro, you just said I was better than dude? <laughs> Look,
0: on the court, you're surrounded by a collection of personalities, egos, and talent. But when the pieces come together, that's when you form a great team. The same thing is true when you mix a great drink. Different ingredients come together for the first time, complementing one another to make something out of this world. And beyond the drinks, this drop with Hennessy and and Ness celebrates the intersection of basketball with art, music, and fashion. Elements of culture that represent ways the fans and players pay homage to the game.
2: The exclusive collection will have a limited drop available for both in retail and online. Check out at Hennessy US or Instagram for more information. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game.
1: 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
2: That's probably
0: the first time I geeked out on a deal.
2: Yeah, what'd you do afterwards? What was your first big, big splurge? I bought I was supposed to
0: buy one watch. Dude was giving me <laughs> dude was giving me a crazy dis- discount on an AP. C- crazy discount. And so
2: uh, Was it the same dude that made your your AI nine sh- your AI nine sh- No, nine no, 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 This is this is the this is a our watch guy. Okay. Uh, Alex. Sean, oh Alex, Alex, uh, okay. In Chicago, Geneva yeah. sale. Shout Sill. out to Geneva Sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh Damn have been dealing with Alex that long? For a while, man. yeah, that was two thousand eight. Did he I, give you a free watch yet? Dang, that's a good question. That should I'm be I'm gonna send him a shot. Oh yeah, you should hit him, man. Yeah, yeah, because that's kinda crazy. So I
0: ended up buying two watches because of the discount was so big. I'm like, pff, pff, all right, we'll just add another one to it. It's the same thing <laughs> after the discount, right? <laughs> so technically it was a free watch, right? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. free because it was a little bit more than a yeah. discount, but uh, I remember my financial advisor was like, bro, why you end up getting two watches? I was like, man, he gave me a discount. So it was like, I just got another watch. Like, end up being free, whatever. I try to finesse it. And then, uh, yeah, I went through like a splurge for like a year. I was glad I got it out of my system quick though. I went through that splurge and then that was I was. When I
2: met you, you had like a Louis fetish. Yeah, right? yeah, You yep, had a yep. Bentley. Yeah. <laughs> Bentley Flying Spur. I had a flying Spur, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, only, a, that only lasted for like a year yeah, though. Yeah, you had a Burberry umbrella. I did. <laughs> you did, you kid, got a great bro, memory. I remember, I didn't even, so when you used to speak to me, this thing got ner- got the nerves. <laughs> like when I showed up, bro, I thought your name was Andre Vatanji. At one point, I'm like. Damn, yeah. I actually live down the street from King of Prussia, so yeah, no, you use ride a bike to the mall. All right, so we'll go back. Um, you know, we go to 2012 where you made your first uh NBA all star and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all defensive team, right? Correct, and yeah. that was you had been in the league for what seven or eight years, seven or eight, eight years, yeah. Go back to that season. Yeah. I know you always harped on, uh, you and I had conversations about. All defense and what it means to you, and you hang your hat on. So go back to remembering being on that list, second team, and who you saw up there. Yeah, I was.
0: You know what? That's when I like I started to sour a little bit because I have been, you know, I have been in an organization where I didn't know. You don't know what the NBA is until you go mm-hmm. to another team. Yeah, and so you really don't know, and so uh, you go through your ups or downs, especially in Philly. Uh, you had your highs, you had some lows, and uh, we were finally winning, putting it together a little bit. And um, but I had been like, I felt like I was one of the best defenders in the, in on the perimeter for like six, seven years. Like Shane Battier was like one of the guys that would guard Kobe. Ron, Ron was different. I give him that. Ron, Ron was different. Uh, Rajah Bell was one of the guys, and Bruce Bowen. But for me I was like man I'm scoring on these dudes like I was a go-to scorer so I'm like I'm scoring on y'all like nah, like I I know my defense is what it is but I I couldn't figure out like what what am I missing and so what I learned was it was you know winning has plays a part in it and so it was finally good it wasn't even like I really cared too much about it because I always forget that I even made second team on defense that year.
2: Now I remember I was, when we were playing, I remember you were like, I don't care anymore because you brought up all these names and it's like, this person averages two a, two steals, and he's a terrible defender and vice versa. And then you finally made it when you stopped caring.
0: Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it, it was just, at that point I was just like, listen, you, you, like the 2010 World Championship. Yeah. I led the team in minutes, played. This was D-Rose and KD, you know, and this was them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's was KD's coming out party. Yeah and I was just locking up everybody. And I'm like, y'all see what I'm doing? Like, Linus
2: Klazer? Klazer.
0: Klazer could Klaza from Lithuania? So He's I, a problem. I've been knowing about Lithuania. Yeah. yeah, bro, he's a problem And the hoop I, out there. I've been knowing about Lithuania. Lithuania might be the basketball capital of the world. That's all they do out there. Like, I get it. Yeah. And uh, they said, Pops, is Pop Popovich Lithuania?
2: It sounds Lithuania. Right. No, Akavich is, is Yugoslavian, ain't it? I mean, they broke up and just split some lines, but like,
0: the same similar knowledge of the game, and so when I'm playing against Lithuania, or then uh, we had Turkaloo, Turkey in the championship game. Turkaloo was a problem, yeah. Barbosa did drop me, but like nobody could score on me at that time, like for like a four or five year stretch. I mean, the guys gonna do their thing, like LeBron's, Kobe's, Mellows, mm-hmm. but you know, holding Kobe to four for 17, and then Talk Phil, about that Phil Jackson one. saying. I've never seen anybody guard Kobe Bryant like that. Like this was in the headlines of the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I'm just like, whoa. Like Aaron McKee hit me up after the game, was like, Man, do you realize what Phil Jackson just said? Phil Jackson really said this. Man,
2: now, now, that's <laughs>
0: now, now finish <laughs> off that story. Oh, everybody know that story.
2: <laughs> but no, uh, absolutely. Folk, <laughs> three,
0: week, three and a half weeks later, <laughs> the man said, Yo, where's Dre? Tell him 50 tonight. Tell Dre 50 tonight and it was a 49 piece. <laughs> I blame Chris Webber, though. See, Webber, be my guy. But if you go – I went back and watched that game. No, he did make some crazy shots, like, from three. He was shooting threes like Steph. He made some Steph threes, but then he was pick and rolling. Like, the triangle was just unfair. Like, you can –
2: you couldn't do nothing with the triangle. You can't guard nobody in the triangle. The brush screens off uh that Chicago cut is tough. Oh the God. brush screen oh off the triangle is and it's, it's right in front of the rim, and yeah. you get a good screener, yeah. it's over. You don't understand tough. like a yeah. good screener can make your whole career. True story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stockton. Yeah. Well, Stockton was nice.
0: But but yeah, but then, you know, so I finally stopped caring, made it, whatever. Uh but the All Star team thing did mean something, like finally. Like I feel like I should have made it. Two times before that, legit.
2: Yeah, do you? When you first made in 2012, you averaged like 12, six right. and five, and that's right. not the sexiest numbers on earth. But we were number one in the East at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, like we said, the year you played the most minutes in the league, you guarded some of the top players, you're averaging like 19, six and five. That's a learning moment for you know young guys watching this. Like, what do you think was the difference that really got you over the hurdle? And you know, what does it tell about like the cycle of the NBA what it matters? You know. Well winning always winning should trump
0: most things but it's funny because last year we had a situation where Denver was the number one seed they only had one guy make the all-star team they probably should have had two you know uh, Aaron Gordon probably should have you know he probably should have been in there Murray didn't play enough but he's probably their other guy but like they were the number one seed Um, and so but I did learn like you gotta win like you know but I always played to win which would upset me like I played in uh, 2010 and then 2012 Olympics, like I played a role that was centered around winning, like defend, run the floor, different things like that. And so, uh, and I also did learn a lot about your support system within the organization. Like we hear players talk about that a lot. Yeah. Like players say, we've heard players say like a, a guy isn't the bust more so than the organization might be the bust. You know, you pick the go- wrong guy for the wrong system, or you're, you know, you're not giving him the tools or equipping him in the right manner for him to play to his best ability. Like we see that all the time. We know we know too many guys mm-hmm. that could be in the league just in the wrong situation. Yeah. And so um, I started to see that a lot. But then that's when I started to. Ha- I already had those conversations in terms of like where could I see myself uh, playing at my highest potential or being in a situation where I could be who I should be on a on a consistent basis.
2: Another all-star memory I think you should dive deep into, pause, is uh, your dunk contest robbery. Ah, You go into that because you have some of the best dunks that people, it, it's like the forgotten dunks. You know, that's it's actually the thing on YouTube.
0: Funniest thing about uh, the dunk contest, my wife and I, we didn't speak for, we weren't speaking around that time. That's a real relationship. That was funny. Okay. Uh, what year was that? 06? Oh, she was like in college still. So I was my second year in the league, and so we weren't we weren't speaking. And I remember uh, I got the MVP at a, a Ricky sophomore game the night before, and uh, and then the next day. So we we didn't speak even after that. But then after the dunk contest, the whole robbery thing happened, and I remember seeing uh, Ray Allen in the locker room afterwards. And like we were getting dressed, showering, and getting out of there. And it was just me and him. He was a three-point contest. And he gave me some really good advice. He was like, you know, just do the media, be professional, blah, blah, blah. We all know what happened. And this was, this was Jesus Shuttlesworth. This ain't like Ray tell everybody that. This ain't even Ray yeah, Allen, because yeah. I don't know Ray. Like, yeah, I know Ray yeah, true, now. True, true. But I don't know Ray Allen. I know him as Jesus Shuttlesworth. Like I watch he got game before every high school game, before every college game, and then, you know, two times a week before NBA, in the NBA because there's too many games to watch a movie 82 times a year. But like, I didn't seen his movie 600 times. So he Jesus Shuttlesworth, so I'm listening to him like, and I'm like, okay, like, and then I took his advice. But then it's funny because uh, I really wasn't tri- tripping. Like, I was numb to it. I was just like, yo, that was just kind of crazy what happened. AI was pissed. <laughs> But
2: I, he was pissed, he was
0: high. He was like, oh man, we got robbed! We got robbed!
2: So did you never do it again to just be like, I don't want to do it again, or was it like a DeMar DeRozan? I knew I was never doing it again. But DeMar got uh, robbed a bunch of times. He did, but I knew I wasn't doing it again, so
0: I was like, man, I ain't tripping, I'm never doing this again. But it was funny, I got back to the hotel, and I'm it's All-Star Weekend. I already got the rookie game MVP. Like, I, I kind of cared about that more. Yeah, uh, I was happy about that. And so my wife uh, texted me like, I'm so sorry what they did to you, and it kind of put everything in perspective. Because I'm like, oh damn, we're not even talking, and Shorty came through. Like, yeah, that's real, bro. Was sympathy.
2: It was cool. It was smooth. It was smooth. Yes. So while we're on a dunk contest, a lot of people are going to forget your old head now, but give us some of your top five favorite posters old from top. your career that like that you've done because they've been crazy. But you probably, <laughs>
0: um, I told you I've been watching my highlights lately. Um, oh, good for you. Um. Because one came to mind, I forgot all about that one. So the one on Yao, just because it was Yao, like he was just in the way. Like, he,
2: Man, that dude was 7'5. You it, jumped it over is him. He tall. Because coming off picks
0: and Yao being there, like he ain't even got a show. He just got to stand there. And you come off a pick, you see Yao. You don't even see like Yao. You just see like torso and like tree trunk legs. You like, God dang, this is like a big red. See a red? Like this. Like you can't see nothing. You just get off the ball. And they were sending me left. I'll never forget that. They kept sending me left. This before I could go left. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to do, man. This is big-ass object in front of me. Like, Tim Grover had us working out with them big-ass human mm-hmm. objects. But this he, like, they ain't had nothing to replicate Yow. And so dunking on him was like, oh, yeah, that's Yow big-ass. Um, my first one, Rasheed Wallace, i never forget that because Aaron McKee reminded me after the game, not even after the game, like, next time out, he was like, Yo, I don't think you realize, like, you just banged on sheet Like, that don't happen. I was like, huh? And Rasheed Wallace was one of my favorite players because I grew up watching Carolina. Um, so, Yao uh Terrence Williams one was good. Um, that, was, that was dumb. That one was good. Yeah. I just listened to a podcast, Zoom Off, Mark Zoom Off, yeah, right? Yeah, Zoom, yeah. And yeah. he had a dude on there. I don't even know who dude was, but he dude was spitting. Like, he was – pause. He was – um. Dude had some really facts. He was like Iguodala didn't move like he was like Kobe, but he didn't he didn't move like Kobe. And he was like, but well, one thing about him, whenever he got mad, he, I would just like, he got mad and he would just go dunk on everybody. And I was like, damn, he was really watching. Like I, it was a point in my career where I was just like, man, move, man, I'm about to just dunk on y'all. Like yeah. it's nothing you can do. So, you caught that bad, pause. Terrence Williams. Yeah, yeah. And so that was one. Um, and then uh about Oh, I look. had a good one on uh my teammate too, and he's the GM of Denver Nuggets right now. Calvin Booth. Calvin Booth threw a bad outlet pass and uh Rodney Rogers stole it from him and he handed it to me and I that was my first like like boom <coughs> that was my rookie year. And then one of my favorite ones though is is KG and Paul Pierce. They look look always, about, talking always, talk. They're always talking crazy. They always talking crazy. Yeah. And I think Rondo, I had the ball in my right hand and Rondo came across me and I like, this is before you were like bumping guys, stepping through them, and Rondo came and he, I bumped him like move and the ball was rocking. I had like a one, two and KG was still in my like, Rondo ran through me, KG was on my right, and Paul was on my left, KG jumped and I just took off and I'm looking at both of them like boom. And I was I was just like, yeah, suckers. Cause that's the energy they be oh, having no, for when sure. you're playing against yeah. them. And so that was, that was one of one. Every time I see it, I was like, oh, I forgot about that one. But it's, it's a few.
2: Uh, so you, we spoke a few times. You're going on to one of the few people that have gone to six consecutive NBA finals. Mm-hmm. So you've played in a lot of playoff games, of playoff series. What, do you, what are a few series that you remember the most that are your favorite? Uh, the series that are my
0: favorites um, are the first time getting out the first round, obviously, uh, Chicago.
2: Damn, that was your first time getting out? Know, the first round? Yeah,
0: like, we will. Fam, <laughs> before, <laughs> before you this got to Philly,
3: before you to got the to Philly,
0: Bro, we weren't even supposed to go to the playoffs. Bro, I know I didn't know that was, damn, we, was we was we were successful getting to the playoffs because we weren't supposed to get there. Like we wasn't like now, you know I always say like you don't know the league until you go somewhere else. Yeah.
2: Bro, we wasn't trying to go to the playoffs. <laughs> that's Philly, please <laughs> shut the hell up then, bro. So y'all <laughs> so y'all the process <laughs> y'all didn't make it. <laughs> past the second when we went and then before that y'all went to the first or 20-something years that's crazy yeah like 2001 they went to the finals Goodness. and after that like
0: yeah like bro we were we weren't supposed to go to the playoffs no was wonder why it. you
2: jumped on the scoreboard that night yeah bro that was the first time oh when we went outside everybody was so hype I didn't know why they were so hype I'm like oh I know we won a series but that yeah, was the first bro. time in years wow
0: yeah so that one <laughs> but then the next series too was one of my favorite ones Boston that was a good series you Because have, my uh, first That's first time Playing in seven game series I feel like we played great like, We wow. played some ball We played some ball If we ain't that
2: young we, <laughs> we would've won that series No this was This, yeah. was,
0: this was this like You would've thought The big three With Rondo The big four You would've thought They won four or five championships yeah. The way they talk about it yeah. You know And I'm a huge fan Like Paul Pierce Like People don't like Paul, but I love like I, I rock Paul with Paul too, Pierce yeah. heavy. And so the those two series and then um obviously uh obviously the finals, the first finals two thousand fifteen, um the OKC. The OKC one, when we were down three one.
2: Why'd you like that so much?
0: Because like I always say this, I thought they were the best team in the league. Me too. Like they had Russ, they had Katie, they had Serge. Um, They had Steven Adams. And uh, I'm forgetting somebody. And and
2: Pauls, bro, they were huge. That's what I'm saying. They they were just like a big, they looked like an NBA team. like Perry Jones might have been on that team. Yeah, it was like everybody's Uh,
0: uh, um, 6'10". Anthony Murrow could shoot the ball. Collison was out there doing his thing. Like, I'm forgetting somebody, too. Deion Waiters was like Deion Waiters Waiters was on that team. Um, Was uh, Reggie Jackson on that squad? Or did he get traded already?
2: I think Reggie might have been traded. Bro, that that lineup was so crazy. Oh, no, I'm tripping. Andre Roberson was, Rush. like,
0: one of the top defenders in yeah, the league. So, nine, yeah. yeah, you had Russ 6'4", then you had Roberson 6'8", you had KD 7 feet, you had Serge 7 feet, you had uh, uh, Adam 7
2: feet. Bro, that was the biggest lineup I ever played against. You had KD on the other side, which is an understatement. Mm-hmm. It was, pound like, by far – Steph is unreal, but KD is – it sh- it's alone enough is a problem. Yeah. yeah, and
0: so coming back the way we did, like that was one of my favorite series. And <laughs> like having big moments that nobody saw, like I-, I really love those games where it's like I'm making plays, but like nobody knows it. But like, this is like Steve Kerr and I having like, that's when he's like, he geeking out. He was like, man, you were great tonight. Like, and then we having that understanding.
2: Mm-hmm. So, when you went through that 3-1 and came back and we had a conversation about being down, it wasn't nothing but being down 2-1 on the road. Is that why you are so comfortable? Or were you down 3 3- Comfortable and confident versus Celtics? Oh, yeah. Back yeah. in 2022 yeah, yeah, yeah. finals, we had a conversation. It was just like, bro, I think yeah. it's over, dog. In 2015, we were down 2-1. Yeah.
0: And I'm telling Clark, my man Clark Miyazaki, I'm t- I'm like, Clark, we about to come back and win this series. He was like, what? I'm like, bro, we found it. Like, bro, I'm about to go crazy. Like, I'm Earth telling him, I'm like, yeah. and so – Oh, and then my uh, that was against uh, Cleveland, 2015. Y'all was down we two were one down two one, Cle- one versus
2: Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, people forget that. Right oh, because Della Dova. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> uh, they are about to make a sandwich after him if they would have won. That's 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 one thing in NBA history I'm upset about. Della Dova. He not. ain't the only one yeah. like that. Yeah.
0: But uh, then my my other series was uh, playing against the Warriors. That was my best statistical playoff series. The Warriors when I was in Denver. Cause I was giving them hell, but this was Steph and Clay coming. This was Steph coming out to party, and we just couldn't do nothing about it. But um, yeah, that's what gave me confidence, and that's what gave me confidence. Period. Like I'm knowing, like, all right, we gonna win, or I'm knowing, like, nah, we don't, we don't, we, ain't, we ain't gonna win. Like I like in the the Lakers series last year, I'm like, it ain't looking good. Sack Sac wasn't looking good. Steph had to go get fifty. Uh-huh. And so you kind of just get that feeling like you know how things are going to go based on like everything, based on seeing your teammates, the, the energy, the other team, just like how the flow is
2: going. Like you, you kind of see that uh, with that experience. Uh, so during that time, who were who some of your favorite players that you played or like most under, top five f- players that you played? I always tell people that Manu Ginobili was so underrated. At least for me, you probably don't think so, but I. Like who shocked I you when some, you showed it up? I had some
0: chippy interactions with Manu, so yeah. I, I don't give him the credit he deserves. He was, but he was nice. But top five, I got six. My like, favorite guys.
2: I expected six,
0: so I'm not. I'm not gonna ask Steph. I'm All not right. gonna ask Steph. All right. So it's Kobe, uh, Melo, Katie, LeBron, and the fifth is a tie. Paul Pierce and Kyrie
2: oh snap word
0: yeah like paul pierce was i like, like that i like yeah. that i like that that's yeah. crazy none of them got none of them really got like like none of them really have like they have all had their flaws like you can you know people try to say mellow defensive flaws or whatever but man mellow was uh, who's a better scorer mellow or
2: katie I'm saying when you got done playing against Melo, I'm gonna be this. This this is what I say with KD. KD's unbelievable. Don't, don't let me get fucked up. And I kind of knew that. Nobody really. There's so many conversations around Melo, that like when I seen us play versus you, like him, you guard him for the first time. When I was a rookie. I'm like, bro, Melo might be the best scorer in the league by far. And then like when he kept going overseas and breaking all those records, like for Phoebe, I'm like, we're not talking about this, but. They didn't put him fifth fiddle, and he's still the best scorer. And then when, when it came to bro, the one time he ran the same three plays on you, he had nine points. Bo- His shot was so quick, dog. It was in the a, in a hand for, like, a tenth of a second combined. And I'm there. And he's 6'8", yeah. dog. Like, a human shouldn't be moving. We went to that timeout. Remember, Doug was like, Dre, do you want help? And I remember you going crazy, like, I'm a motherfucking man. I don't need help from nobody. Don't fucking ever bring that to me, bro. And Doug was being petty, but I'm like, well, shit, who gonna help him? I know I ain't for stuff, <laughs> I'm yeah, not finna stop being petty. This nigga. Yeah, but you want help? I'm like, who gonna guard this <laughs> man? Yeah. So yeah, my father doing that, but yeah, no, people, no, you yeah. should do it. Like yeah, mellow, people need to know that. Yeah, Mallow. Now, now KD is unbelievable. Yeah, but I'm yeah. just saying, like when you break down Mellow, it's like, buddy, six eight two sixty. Like his feet are quick. He's out of shape. His jumpers fast. His handles dumb. He impulsive. Like, where did they find this man? at? we talk about like LeBron being a specimen, but like, where did they yeah. find Melo at? Melo, Melo just it
0: was not KD. I would say KD is a better scorer. He's seven feet tall. You can't get to him. Like I can. The one thing about KD is I I have something that I, is in my advantage. I know what I can do to guard KD. What is it? I can keep KD from getting the ball. Oh. <laughs> like I can deny him. No, you're right. No, and and that's saying how good he is. The only, you can't score because you ain't got the ball. Mm. Other than that, I'm dead. Uh-huh. That's how good KD is with Melo. After the game, I'm like, man, I need a whole ice bath, like neck down. Like I can do ice bath from waist down, but like after Melo, I'm like, bro, I need a massage. I need an ice bag. Like I need like eight nine hours of sleep. Like you going you going home bruised, guarding this man. Like he beating you up. I'm like, how you beat me up and you got the ball? That's how good Melo was.
2: So we talk about, since we're on underrated, who are some of the most underrated players you went up against where you like, bro, every single night was Iso Joe. Was it Low-Key? People forget how good Josh Smith was, Low-Key. You know Mitch. he's an idiot. Yeah, but like, yeah. he could, <laughs> I mean, it's funny. No, but he could dump. I remember yeah. showing up being like, bro, yeah. he must be a really, yeah. like coaches must hate him because there's no reason why he shouldn't be an all-star literally every year, bro. He want to get voted in on. like Josh Smith had some nights on me too uh oh okay hold on because i wrote this down this one was tough yeah.
0: okay i got this one i got this one five underrated guys number one and it's number one it's not even close really uh the other guy's not really underrated but he's so good that i still think he's underrated so joe johnson is number one like joe johnson was like one of the like he was like mellow he's one of the first guys that like he He gave me a damn heart attack. Like, he knocked the wind out of my chest. Like, he hit me right here and I dropped, like (gasps) Like, I ain't never lost my breath guarding somebody. Um, And we had some really, I had some good games versus Atlanta because, like, I, you know, they were saying, like, I go to sleep for Steph. Like, I get some rest. Like, I got some rest for Joe. Like, okay, Uh, me and Joe gotta see me tomorrow. But no, I know
2: fans don't understand how good Joe Joe is. Or the old Uh, NBA where they're going to keep running that same play and abuse over, you and over, and, and, over and, and over. And Joe was 252. Yes, so. bro.
0: And, and, yeah, so Joe was one. Um, how can I keep forgetting his name? Nets guard went to Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, Devin Harris. Devin Harris. Had, he was one of the few players that had a move I could not stop. The pullback? back. Bro, he would go so fast at you and pull back, snatch yeah. back between. sure. And I could I'm like, why can't I get to this? Like, same cadence. But he'll he'll go hard and keep going too. Yeah. So you gotta respect yeah. the speed. He was so quick. Devin Harris is one of those guys that was like, Bro, he gave me fits. Yeah. He gave me fits. Um Evan Turner was another guy. Um when practicing up against him going one-on-one, I'm like, oh, this kid is a Bucket. All right, you put me six. We so, just not now. we just not putting him in the right position. Mm. Right? Like I know basketball. Like I told a guy, like Evan Turner, if Evan Turner plays one tonight, he's gonna beat us. And then guy be like, oh, I don't really know. I know that's your guy and Evan Turner beat us that night. Like I, yeah, I know basketball. Um so E.T.'s up there, uh Gilbert Arenas was different, man. Like Gilbert was agent zero, but I'm like, I just found out that Gilbert is only two years older than me.
2: Bro, when he said the other day when he got hurt at like 24, 25, so you weren't even in your prime your career is basically over with a knee injury and you had three sixties. I had no idea. point games versus Kobe, bro. That Gilbert was only two years older than me.
0: bro. So
3: So
2: Gilbert was doing it at 24, 23. So when he was wilding, he was really supposed to be wild. He was wilding. Because he's the baby. Bro, nobody even spoke on it. I didn't even know. I thought Gilbert's like 32 years old killing these That's what I thought. That's a, that's one story, bro, that should be spoke on more. Gilbert was a kid doing that, bro. Gilbert was
0: so good, and he was, like, out there playing around, he's, like,
2: toying with people. Yeah, I was only a year older than Brian. That's what he said. I had no clue, bro. Gilbert was, yeah. was like, oh, my God. You never told me that, bro. I didn't know that. I didn't know that because he was in Arizona way before me. He went to Arizona at
0: 17. So nobody's putting two and two together that this kid is supposed to be in high school when he at Arizona killing And then he go slip in the second round because he's being childish and like just look at his age. Yeah,
2: he burnt up that part. He burnt up the park. He was (laughs) he
0: was still a kid then. Like Gilbert was different. And then, um, oh, now this is one of my favorite players. Period. And shout out to uh, I'm gonna talk. I talked to Candace Parker. Uh, We got a meeting soon. We got a Zoom on some business stuff. But uh, I compared Candace Parker to this guy, and people took it as offensive. And I'm like, if y'all knew how good this dude was, Lamar Odom was so nice. Lamar Odom was one of the best players in the NBA, like in terms of like hooping. And he had that – he had one – he had like two or three great years in the NBA, one with Miami because he was down in Miami. One, three, five. And they got him right. And I talked to this guy about that. He was like, "Yeah, Pat put his ass to work. Like yeah. that was L-O-L-O. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And
0: he was the he was six eleven point guard. He point, point forward.
2: forward, dog. So sure you should be standing right. There, yes, bro. we got to go find Lamar. Yeah. Like
0: Lamar Odom was so nice. And then um, I saw him at his best one night against us. And Doug had me guarding him. I'm like, "Why am I guarding Lamar Odom, bro? I couldn't do nothing. It was like guarding Yao Ming. Yeah, he was this tall. He just turned around, laying up. I'm like, bro, I, I can't strip him because he he knows like he knows that, and he just he." The ball up here, like, he got fundamentals, he got handles, he put on no, use his body, and then we played together in the uh, 2010 FIBA uh, World Championships too, And so I got a chance to play with him, and I'm like, okay, that's your prime, L.O., you be goofing off. But Lamar Odom was so nice. Like, he went not hooping the summer. And so we showed up to FIBA, he was like, man, it's my first day hooping. I'm like, bro, you ain't even getting ready for this? You ain't using a new ball? This is this ball different. <laughs> he was like, no, nah, son, son, I'm just hooping. And then we got to spend some time, interact, like, our rocks with him heavy. Lamar Odom was so so nice. He was one of the best players
2: in the league. Man, you told me he was a originally like just cool dude. Cool I used to dude. always hear in LA they said cool Kobe dude. was a man, but they said L.O. ran LA. Yes. All right, so during this time you played four decades or two decades basically. Mm-hmm. So obviously off the court you had a lot of stuff you want to do. What were some of your favorite albums during this time? Oh huge in the music. Was there like say every five years, was there like an album where you're like this was this fit this phase, this fit that phase? Like what?
0: Yeah, so As one, as I start with like, number five is Sneaky. So Fabulous and his mixtapes. Uh, so Funeral Service Fab was moving different. He was dropping mixtapes left and right. And He's this is- in the
2: day when he was really broke.
3: This is when, when I was really
0: listening to, like I, I had to like get my mind right going to games. Cause you know, the environment that I was in. And uh, so this was like 2008 ish, nine ish. Uh, what was the name of those mixtapes? Uh, there
2: is no competition.
0: Oh, he spelled his name different, so I got to spell it different. F A B O. There's no competition? The Soul Tapes. Not the Soul Tapes. There is no competition. Where the, where the, there is no competition. Was the ones two? Yeah, those
2: were kind of earlier. Yeah, soul yeah, Tape yeah, came yeah, like 2012, yeah, 2013. Yeah, yeah. So there is no competition.
0: Two and three was really good. Um, so, yeah, I was. Uh, that was, that was one phase because uh, I was big J Electronica fan and uh, Fabulous did a mixtape, I mean did one of those songs. Um, so I would say that one. Uh, Watch the Throne was the lockout. Watch yeah. the Throne was big. I saw big. you at that concert. Yeah. yeah, Watch the Throne was big for me, um, seeing J and Kanye come together. Because you had like big album release moments back then. Yeah. Now they just they just drop yeah. and you don't get to experience them like you be, used to be able to. And so uh Watch the Throne was a big one. Um Blonde. Yeah. Blonde. Blonde. Frank Ocean's Blonde was one of my favorite albums cuz I was getting older. Yeah. And so I was kind of chilling out mellowing out like I was thinking the game. I like I didn't have to get like up for a game. Yeah. I was just like it was like playing chess. So I just like my mood was like very even keel. Like you can feel all types of emotions up, down, whatever so I'm reading my teammates just off like getting in tune with myself, going to the game. So like, uh, I'm a huge Frank Ocean fan. So I was listening to Blonde a lot. Uh, and then uh, obviously uh, To Pimp a Butterfly might be one of my favorite albums of all time. It's a, it's a tie. To Pimp a Butterfly had me geeked. Like I was ready to kill people around that. I shouldn't say that, but I felt a certain type of way listening to Pimp a Butterfly. Like it spoke to me, like it's who I am. And then The uh, Life of Pablo. Life of Pablo, um, big Kanye fan. I don't know if I can say that, but.
2: Uh, your first Christmas game where Ye-, Ye was there back in Denver. What was some of your favorite uh, Christmas games or the most memorable ones? Because once you uh, left Philly, they started getting on. Every year, right? <laughs> every
0: year, yeah. And I was I was like, dang, I play Christmas every year after I left Philly,
2: legit. Um,
0: so the Denver one, that was my first one. We lost that game too. Um but uh that was interesting. You know, you know, George is George. Um I had a solid game though, I think. No, we played the Clippers. We played the Clippers. And uh Jamal Crawford hit Andre Miller with the behind the back, behind the back. Uh so that was crazy. That was Lob City too. That was like the right at the beginning of Lob City. Um, so that was cool because it's the first one. But then I realized like I don't really like Christmas games. Like it's just it's not really Christmas, um, and then the next year, my first Warriors Christmas game. Now that was dope and memorable because, like, that's when I learned like what a
2: great organization is.
3: <laughs> no, I'm not really. saying what a bad organization is. Oh, no, no, no,
1: no,
2: no. But it's a I'm t- saying no, what, what a great organization is. Yeah, but what you said earlier, like when you leave Philly, it's Christmas games all the time. It's like a summary when you leave Philly, it's Christmas. but yeah. like, you know what I mean. But I sure. just
0: had a game in Denver
2: yeah. on Christmas, and then the next year I go to the Warriors, mm-hmm. and then we played the Clippers again in L.A. for
0: Christmas. And I just remember walking in the shout out to my man E, Eric Housen, right? Like, he should have his jersey retired. For real. I'm being serious. And when I walked into my room, family with me, so it's the first time the family came yeah. with me. So my wife and my son, it's like a Christmas tree in the room, decorated. Then they had gifts under the tree. So my son had a jersey with his name on it, Warriors jersey. My wife had stuff. They had gifts. I'm like, Oh, this is a great organization. Like, he had everybody room decked out. I'm like, I never seen that before. And so, like, small stuff goes a long way. That's what I learned. And I don't even know if we won the game, but like, it felt like nah, that's big felt time. like Christmas, man.
2: It was dope. Yeah, it nah, was dope. That's amazing. What's his name? Eric Housing. Like, he the man. That's the equipment manager. Yeah, I like remember, he do everything. I remember Darrell Wright showed up uh, to Sixers, and you always get mad at Rego. And it's like, man, it would never be like this in Warriors. I'm like, bro, Rego is a man, g like. <laughs> What you can't get off him from gear, gonna make up for it in the streets. Like that's it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Call it a day. All right, so I said it before, you played two decades in the NBA. Played versus a lot of great teams and everything. So we we should move on next and do what we do basically. And uh, you know, I'm gonna ask you a question where you we're gonna compare, analyze, and mm-hmm. then make people mad. So cool. during like this that. time, since you entered the league, there's a lot of great teams, a lot of great, uh, mm-hmm. great franchises, and everything. What era was the toughest to play in? Because when you first walked in, you said this is the old Pistons. So with Chauncey, yeah. Rip Hamilton, TaShawn Prince, who Rasheed Wallace and all those guys. Ben
0: Wallace, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were just, they were just really good at what they do. Those are the toughest teams to go against like they going you can't alter how they play they're just going to do what they do and the Pistons team might have been one of the toughest teams to play against like you know how there's change of speeds in the game slow fast fast slow but when the Pistons when you played them you just feel like you just were moving so fast because they were just like everywhere I just like I'm trying to get rid of y'all yeah and Rasheed can guard on perimeter, Ben Wallace can guard on perimeter, and then you couldn't go in the paint because you get elbowed by, sharp elbow by Ben Wallace. You got to get hit by screens coming off that. They ran one play, they ran floppy over and over and over, and it was Rip coming off and Rip wouldn't miss. He was, he, was, underrated guys, like he was one of the most underrated players in the league. Like, Kobe was chasing that man around, couldn't do nothing in the 2004 yeah. NBA Finals.
2: That's like, the same, yeah. That same yeah, team that yeah. knocked out, you yeah, know, Lakers yeah Knocked out the Lakers dynasty. Yeah, they're trying Chaun- to repeat it or something.
0: I always say Chauncey was better than Steve Nash. People get mad. It's just Chauncey was really different. Like Chauncey was different, man. Chauncey had no flaws. Like I asked AI about Chauncey. He, he, AI with one of them crosses. AI left the screen like yeah, Chauncey six, was post work, and he had a burner. Yeah. And then Tayshaun was just like. The epitome of a role player like but an excellent role player he gonna knock down wide open shots you look up Chauncey got 13 points on s- six attempts
2: he efficient getting stops guarding everybody right before the big shot yeah, yeah. and so uh
0: the hardest era though because
2: huh. during that era during your time in the league I believe it's like the Pistons that had him run obviously Sam from- San Antonio always has one Lakers won two championships yeah, Lakers the were- Celtics were pretty dominant with the big three well, I should say this. And the Heat had two with LeBron. The heat, the heat, and then y'all was, went on with y'all stuff. And then Cleveland Cavaliers.
0: I can't. Uh,
2: so during that time, we think probably about the had
0: the, like, I feel like we had the best team out of all that out of all those years I've been in the league. We had the best team with the Warriors. Um, yeah, but uh, the Lakers team, Kobe was like, man, Kobe, they were good, man. That triangle was really hard to guard. And when Paul Gasol and Bynum were healthy. Bro, they were a problem. Yeah. That's why the Celtics couldn't beat them. Like, Bynum was really the difference maker. Yeah. When they lost to the Celtics, Bynum wasn't there. And then when they beat the Celtics, Bynum was punishing them on the glass. And then L.O. was L.O. That's seven foot, seven foot, 6'11". L.O. at the three, <laughs> right? It's crazy. Um, and the, the, they, they were just so efficient. Like, I, I've considered like the Spurs like a Euro team. And it's that American pride or whatever we call ourselves over here. That pride, like I don't want to give him that credit, but I love Tim Duncan. But Tony Parker, I feel like, it could be underrated because Tony Parker was so Tony Parker was so unassuming.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm just like, buddy can't shoot. He got that weak ass right, right over top. the top yeah. crossover, like bro. And, and I'm a defender, so he ain't getting me with it. But even when I'm guarding, I'm like, oh, buddy is quick, man. He keep getting the scoop shot. He's just awkward angles. And then they like a machine. They like a machine, like they have a wide open shot and pass it up for a wide open shot that they'll pass up for another wide open shot just to make the defense move. And it just mm-hmm. got annoying. And we just, we couldn't beat them. Mm-hmm. And then going into San Antonio is like, bro, we are not going to win tonight. Like they were just a machine. And so I got, I do got respect for them. And then Manu was always hitting big shots. Bonner was always making, like, four threes a game. Man, I'm like, this man. weak-ass man. white dude in these New Balances, <laughs> this one when New Balances wasn't cool. Man. I'm like, bro, if, the new, setter, if bro? new Balance make one more shot, like, I used to be pissed. Uh, Francisco Elson, just like, bro, you know, certain guys, you'd be like, bro, if you wasn't on this team, you wouldn't be in the league. They had all them guys. They had all those guys who would get, like, they would be very effective, and they would be NBA players on that team. And it's like, bro, how did he get 20 tonight? Like uh, the the shooter from the small school, he left and went to Milwaukee, got a big deal, and then we didn't hear from him for a while. Oh, it was oh, the, yeah, Gary Gary Neil. Gary yeah, Gary Neal. Gary Neal, Gary Neal was one of those guys. Francisco yeah. Elson was one yeah, of those sure. guys. Uh, uh, the other dude, Alberto, the big the other yeah, big dude. Ar- 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 Alberto. He, yeah, he yeah. was cooking. Yeah, it was just like what? Uh, um, oh yeah, the other dude too, Jones, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Brown. Brown, not Bobby yeah, yeah. Brown. Brown was killing. He had like a three-year run. He was cooking. Yeah. Um, was Spurs. And man. Uh, uh, my man went to Virginia.
2: About, uh, Roger Mason, Mason Jr. Some, yeah, Roger, Roger Mason yeah. Jr. was cooking. fam. He left the league at 3 points. No, no, he, no, like oh for three God. or four. And and in DC, he was cooking. Like bro, he was hitting threes, bro. Was, bro, yeah, bro. Yeah. bro
0: you, like, I'm naming all these dudes is like they are afterthoughts, bro. But they had a, they had a, they was, they were strength in numbers before us, yeah. bro. They was cooking. It was cooking.
2: So how, that was way different from a standpoint of like when you fast forward when I, when I came into the league and it was like the takeover of the Heat. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. things kind of changed in that sense where games were going kind of from what ninety five points and forth, 12 threes mostly to when you guys got it cracking and, and jumping up. Right.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I and mean, then the Spurs still had it going. Um, Dallas had a good team though. I I, I don't want to forget about Dallas. It felt like we couldn't beat Dallas at all. Um, Dallas had a tough squad. Dirk was Dirk. I like Dirk. Dirk one of the few Europeans where I'm like, I hold him in like the same regard as Larry Bird. Like, I don't even know. Like, I was just telling somebody this. <laughs> I was telling somebody this. You talk about high moments, cut this out. Cut the high moments out. You talking about you be thinking this shit when you're high? Fam, Larry Bird was so good that he beat his own genes.
2: <laughs> you got to say that, bro. Get that back on, bro. Cause that's fucking crazy. L- Larry Bird was, was so good again. that he defied his
0: own odds. He beat his own gene pool. Like, if you think about how our body makeups are, certain races and demographics don't move a certain way. Yeah. Like these, these are what they're telling us. Like yeah. we're not supposed to be that smart. We can't yeah. play quarterback. Like I'm going
2: and off. Black people yeah. are smart, smart I'm going off their formula. yeah. Larry Bird was
0: not supposed to be that good. The man was like. He didn't even really work out like that. He just hooped. So yeah. he did he lift weights. You know what I'm saying? Look at the shoes like, he's playing with. Yeah, his body. The way his body was shaped. The way his body was put together. Bro, he was cooking dudes. Night. He scored 40 with his left hand and, and his right hand was working. He was like, I'm going to use my right hand next week. I'm going to use my left hand tonight. I don't know anybody that could do that ever in NBA history. Like Larry Bird was so good. Yeah. I've been trying to get that off for so long. Like Larry Bird. Like. Larry Bird might be in my top five. Like, Larry Bird was really – and he's white. And so that's – I'm telling you, like, Larry Bird is amazing. Dirk was like that. Dirk Dirk was like that. And so that team was good. But uh, yeah, KD is just a cheat code. And, so, and then Steph is just like – So that 2017
2: was your favorite team ever? You ever played on or what? When you mean by favorite team, what do you mean? Was it – do you –
0: because my Sixers team is one of my favorite teams, just because like I, I mean, I'm just
2: tight with that's my guy. I mean, an argument of this debate of since you came into the league, not so much like uh, oh, best team, like, like best team. Let's just say yeah, best yeah, team, yeah, like yeah, the best yeah, team. Ever. Yeah, because
0: yeah. yeah, Clay don't miss. Clay don't miss. KD was just unfair. Um, Steph is really unfair. We, 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 I've been trying to tell people that now they know it. And then, um, I think me and Draymond's. Um, the way we, we anchored the defense, the way he anchored the defense, and then the way that just our chemistry was with passing and getting them to rock but also being threats at the same time. Like, we really – we saw every look you can possibly see. They leaving me wide open. They leaving Draymond wide open. Like, they going double teaming somebody else when I had the ball. Like, and and it was like we still got to an answer for it. Like, there's nothing you're going to do. Like, it's impossible. We can't lose.
2: That's all I had. You got any anything else you want to say? You're already gonna say your farewell elsewhere, but Yeah. Uh shout out to the streets. I think for me the biggest thing was just like uh, the respect for
0: my peers. I think that's what like solidified my career. Like all the other stuff really don't matter. Like you said, you talk about like all star games, like whatever, man, I don't even care anymore. Or or defensive teams or accolades or you know, people ask me, Do I think I'm going to reach a certain status? I do think there should be tears in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I do think there should be tears. And you think I mean how that, that, And that'd stop them uh, from comparing like LeBron, Kobe, MJ. Like uh, you put, they get to this tier, you can't compare them because like they're just they're uh, they're way over there. That's and real. then like you got you got you got someone that kind of probably should get in, and they deserve to be in. But like they they deserve to be in a, another another round. Um, but I think just you know hearing some compliments from some of those guys like Melo will always say funny stuff like bro you always getting these deflections man stop bro you getting annoying like things like that and the respect I got from my peers like that that's what meant most to me and the rest of y'all can kiss my ass there we go without a ball it's just a court and without your spirit it's only a game so Together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it, and enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game.
3: 21 and older, please drink responsibly.